DiscerningHearts.com presents Stations of the Cross, Reflections with Deacon James Keating. Deacon Keating is a professor of spiritual theology at Kenrick Lennon Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. He formerly served as the Director of Theological Formation at the Institute for Priestly Formation. He is also the author of numerous spiritual books, including Heart of the Diaconate, Remain in Me, Spousal Prayer, and Listening for Truth. He has given more than 400 workshops on moral theology and spirituality nationally and regularly conducts retreats. Stations of the Cross, Reflections with Deacon James Keating. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome back, Deacon Keating. Thank you. We're at the sixth station of the cross. St. Veronica wipes the face of Jesus. We adore you, O Christ, and we bless you, because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. Very poignant verse response that we give traditionally at each station of the cross, but at this particular one, St. Veronica wipes the face of Jesus an encounter with someone he probably has not met, and yet she goes towards him for all of us to adore him. Yeah, the stance is one of deep compassion before the identity of God. See, she knew intuitively who he was and ran toward him, extending her heart to him, really, and of course, this is what compassion is, to suffer with someone. She wanted in some way to reach out and touch him and suffer with him out of love. And the love, of course, welled up in her because she intuited that who people said he was, in truth, he really was. He was the Son of God. He was God among us. And it was breaking her heart to see love itself suffer so much. So it moved her. It moved her to move toward him. And of course, this is what Christ wants from all of us. Christ, this is the the real point of the devotion of the Stations of the Cross, is that upon meditating upon his great love, a love that we could only do for another if we were inspired with his same spirit, to suffer for the welfare of others, in other words. We could only do that if we had his spirit. He wants us to meditate on these devotions in the same manner that Veronica saw him so that we're moved by love, so that we are moved to go toward him, to adore him. And this mystery of the cloth she held and to wipe his face of his blood and his sweat and to relieve him of just that little bit of uncomfortableness, that little bit of discomfort, was this gentle sign of her presence and her presence ordered toward his identity as God. Is there anything I can do for you, Lord? Is basically the stance of Veronica. And she tried her best to come up with something, to think of anything to help relieve the burden. She was too small and too slight to take the cross from him. And so she did what she could. But the important part of this station is Are you open enough and are you vulnerable enough to allow the suffering of Christ to move you, to act, 
to adore, to move toward him, so that paradoxically in his suffering he can heal you. This, of course, is the great mystery. In his suffering, he heals us. What would our prayer be at this station? Well, if we look at the cloth again, and she takes the cloth off his face and his image is there. And literally, in Latin, Veronica means true image. And he is uh, sharing his face, his countenance. He's sharing his love with her. The prayer at this station is fairly clear. Oh Lord, we would like to be true images of you. Give us your spirit so that when we are called to suffer for others, we keep to that commitment for the welfare and the good of others. And also our prayer is help us to be like Veronica toward you, to be so open and vulnerable that we rush toward you because we know who you are. We adore you because we know who you are. And we want to serve you because we know who you are. Give us this grace as well, Lord. Help us to be ones who suffer for others, but also help us to be the ones who rush toward you in adoration and service. Is Mother Teresa, Dorothy Day, those who rush towards Jesus and those they meet, are they the Veronicas? Are we the Veronicas ultimately? Well, the church is. The church is Veronica in that Veronica has a stance of adoration and worship. And she also, though, and we would assume this, that obviously after she receives the true image of Christ, not only on that cloth, but in her heart, she takes that true image to whomever she meets, just like the church is called to do. So the whole church is Veronica, both worshiping the Lord, moved by his true identity, and then also serving those who are suffering, just like Christ was. So it's a beautiful station about the true identity, not only of Christ upon the cloth, but the true identity of the church as well. We'll return in just a moment to The Stations of the Cross, Reflections with Deacon James Keating. The Act of Contrition Oh my God, I am heartily sorry for having offended you, and I detest all my sins because I dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell, but most of all because they offend you, my God, who are all good and deserving of all my love. I firmly resolve, with the help of your grace, to confess my sins, to do penance, and to amend my life. Amen. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen.
We now return to The Stations of the Cross. Reflections with Deacon James Keating. We arrive to the seventh station. Jesus falls the second time. You know, the falls of Jesus are the most famous parts of the Stations of the Cross because endless preachers have spoken about these falls. And the fall of Jesus the second time prompts us to wonder whether or not is this the time he'll send for his angels? Is this the time he'll destroy the world in anger and in wrath for the way that they are treating the love of God? And of course it's not. The mockery continues, the beatings continue. The heavy weight of the cross upon his shoulder is still there. And he gets up again. And traditionally, we have been encouraged by these falls of Jesus as we move through our own spiritual and moral development that we too will not give up the Christian life no matter how much our sins weigh us down and how often we fall into sin. It's very common for us as human beings to begin to wonder whether or not God will give up on us, that God is somehow weary of our sins. The only one who is weary of our sins is ourselves. We get weary of them, and then because we're weary of them, we turn it into self-hate. And then we project our own self-hate onto God. And we say, well, God must hate me by now. God must be done with me by now. Surely God's patience has run out because I've done it again. I've sinned again. And the revelation of God through the New Testament is that God never wearies of turning his face toward us in mercy. Whenever we would hear that in our conscience or in our soul, we know that that is never God speaking. That's simply our guilt disassociated from the love of God. Now, when we associate our guilt to the love of God, we receive his mercy. And we know that that voice was not his, because his voice would never condemn us or never speak any words of hate toward us. And that's why when we fall, as quickly as possible, we have to relate our guilt to the love of God, to the mercy of God, and then we will rise again. In the image that often accompanies the seventh station, Jesus falls the second time. You see a number of other characters. You'll see his tormentors, the soldiers who are directing him and generally continuing to beat him. Or you may see in the scene Simon of Cyrene. We're not sure if he's still with him at this point on the journey. Mm -hmm. Or you see the Pharisees, those who condemned him, What's going on in their hearts? Well, perhaps what they're doing is they're mocking him in in terms of the charge that was laid against him. Once again, we can hear their voices say to him, well, if you are the son of David, if you are the living God, arise, get up, fight us, take over the world. They're mocking the identity of God 
out of a false understanding of what God is. Uh, remember, their understanding of God was that God was an earthly warrior, that God would intervene, and God, in terms of the Messiah, would be strong, earthly strong, a king on a horse with power. And so every time he falls, they basically feel self-satisfied. See, we're not killing the Messiah. We're not killing the son of David. And they continue to mock him to assuage their consciences that this man could not possibly be who he says he is. Now, of course, only in hindsight do we realize that the authentic identity of God was being displayed here. And yes, God is powerful. And yes, God worked in powerful ways in the Old Testament. But the essence of God came among us with the second person of the Blessed Trinity taking on flesh in Jesus. And the essence of God we found was compassion. Not violence, not struggle, not power, but a self-emptying for the welfare of the many. And so little did they know that they were standing before the revelation of God. This is who God is. God loves us so much that he takes on every suffering of ours and is so faithful to love that he will see this taking on all the way to the end. He loves humanity so much that he will continue all the way to the end of humanity's road, which is death. And it is ironic that here displayed before the Pharisees and the soldiers is actually what they were looking for all along. But because they're thought categories were so deeply implanted regarding who God is. They missed it. And who could blame them? Who would ever have expected God to be this man heaped beneath a cross? Who would ever have expected that? So we have great compassion even on the people who are mocking him. For there were hints of this type of God in Isaiah and other prophets but a lot of the hints do not stand out in a moment like this. The prophecies of the suffering servant perhaps were marginalized in the minds of these men. And so Christ has compassion even upon his killers, his mockers, because who would have ever expected a God like this? What is the prayer for this particular station? Well, the prayer for this station, Jesus falls the second time, is hope. And to keep relating to Christ all of the self-hate we have, all of the disappointment we have regarding our own sins, regarding our history of sin, our habitual sins, and to just keep giving them to Christ, particularly at this station when you meditate upon him upon the ground. And almost with your uh, confidence and faith in him, he's lifted off the ground. And he carries again all of our sins toward the ultimate uh, destiny of his fidelity to the Father on the cross. So our prayer, Jesus, is that we never lose hope and that we never turn our sins into an occasion for self-hate, disappointment, or relinquishment of our faith in you. We'll return in just a moment to The Stations of the Cross. Reflections 
with Deacon James Keating. Litany of Humility O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, that others may be esteemed more than I, that in the opinion of the world others may increase and I may decrease, that others may be chosen and I set aside, that others may be praised and I unnoticed, that others may be preferred to me in everything, that others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. We now return to The Stations of the Cross, Reflections with Deacon James Keating. The eighth station, Jesus meets the women of Jerusalem. These women are met by Jesus in tears. And he says the famous words about, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Very puzzling phrase by Jesus. Here there are mourners along the way. And he, he turns the mourning away from himself. He does not really receive their tears because, after all, in some strange, mysterious way, Jesus is at peace. For is not this the reason he came? And so he deflects the tears back to the women. And the tears that he really hopes to see in the women is not uh, tears over Jesus' death, but tears over their sins. So to weep, weep over Jerusalem, weep with your children, weep for your children, is to some extent one of the key spiritual dispositions of the human heart if we are to ever make progress in the spiritual and moral life. We've got to learn that our sins are weighty and they cost. Now what they cost primarily is our intimacy with God, an intimacy that can be lost by the gravity of our sins. And then, of course, we lose our intimacy and our communion with each other over our sins. And then we become even alienated from ourselves by our sins. 
And so the ultimate movement, the satanic movement of sin, is complete isolation and loneliness. And so Jesus is trying to draw attention to the reality of, yes, his death is horrible, but it is your sins, my sins, that ignited this way of the cross and that sustain it until it is complete as he dies upon the cross. The worst evil in this picture is not Jesus walking to his death with the cross, but an unconscious woman and man on the way of the cross, that their sins and their sins alone are the worst evil of history and our worst personal evil as well. So Jesus longs for the church to cry. Jesus longs for the church to weep over its sins so that the tears can open the heart and that Jesus can move toward the heart, raise it toward repentance and renewal. He can lavish his mercy upon the heart. He can sustain the heart, strengthen it, so that it's not interested in sin again but only interested in him and the exchange, the holy exchange of love between Christ and his bride, the church. So weep not for me, but for yourselves and for your children. It's a very poignant moment in the stations because we remember in the scriptures days before where maybe even some of these same women greeted him as he entered into Jerusalem, riding on the back of the donkey, having the palm branches placed before him in this moment when the people recognized him as a king. And yet, here he is now, tortured and being essentially dragged through the streets of the city. Similar to the last station, here's it's the paradox. Greeted him as king, That was the end of the Old Testament. And now the way of the cross. Welcome to the New Testament. Welcome to the new covenant. To the blood that I will pour out. In a way, the sense of the Messiah as the kingly, martial figure who will defend and protect Jerusalem and and sustain it in its uh, political and economic ambitions. That was the last time we saw that on Palm Sunday. And it was the last time, and and again, it was even hinted at that it was not true as he rode on a donkey instead of a powerful horse. Even there, the first signs that they got it wrong were emerging. And here, in the fullness of the truth of who God is, it doesn't bring hosannas and palms It brings tears. And this is a true stance of humanity before God. One of our common stances before God should be tears. Because of the overwhelming presence of sin that spreads out through human history. And so here, the New Testament, the New Covenant, 
is being felt by these women, but they're not feeling it deep enough. It's not about Christ, grieving about Christ. It's grieving about what Christ wants to offer, and we keep preventing ourselves from receiving it by staying in our sins. The grief of the stations and the grief of Good Friday, the grief about our sins, not that Jesus is dead or that Jesus is on the way to death. The reflection of these three stations, the sixth station where he encounters the individual to the point where the seventh station where he falls from the weight of that cross, and now he encounters a group of individuals, the community at large. There's something to be said, isn't there, to that movement and how it speaks of us today, not only as individuals, but through our culture, our society as well, that we continue to watch this crucifixion, to see this this way of the cross, and yet have we learned anything in 2,000 years? Have we responded? Well, as individuals, you know, in terms of the, the endless stream of saints that have come through the community of the church, we have to say we've learned a lot. Will we ever see a time where there is sort of a mass conversion, a time where all of the bystanders along the way of the cross finally see the light and weep for their sins? I don't know. Is it possible? Of course it's possible by the Holy Spirit. But as we look through the sweep of history, we see plenty of people who get it, plenty of people who understand that the sorrow and the grief in their heart over sin is the very birth of their happiness. And they get that. And as they more and more pray to God, more and more fall in love with the Savior, more and more share everything about their life with Him, they begin to realize that those who sow in tears will reap in joy. Because this is the great promise of God. If you live in truth, I am not the Savior. I need God. Then all that God is going to ever give you is joy and never condemnation. In the letter to the Hebrews, it talks of a time when there will be a great cloud of witnesses who will cheer us on. Do you suppose that the women of Jerusalem were in their number? I would think that anybody who's listening to Jesus in the midst of their tears will be in that number, that great cloud of witnesses. As you're crying or as you're grieving, do not let the tears become a block to grace, but let them become what God intends them to be a reality that speeds his grace more quickly to your heart so that your grief may end and his grace may take you to your happiness. And happiness is holiness when it's related always to the love of God. So what would be our prayer for the eighth station? I think when we stand before the weeping women of Jerusalem, we want to ask Christ for the grace to know our sins 
We want to ask Christ for the wisdom to know what we should really cry over. Lord Jesus, the women grieved over your impending death. Give us the wisdom to know what is truly worth grieving over, what is truly worthy of tears, those things, those realities that are taken from us, that we lose, that are truly worthy of grief and tears. And our faith tells us there is one major reality, and that is when our relationship with you is threatened by our own sins. Here we we cry out to you from the deepest part of sorrow. This is truly worth our tears, our sins. Give us the grace to repent and to follow you on your way of paradoxical happiness. Thank you, Deacon Keating. Thank you. You've been listening to Stations of the Cross, Reflections with Deacon James Keating. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you find us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Stations of the Cross, Reflections with Deacon James Keating.